allow me to introduce myself. My name is... The Sportzilla Show on 1310 AM Utica, 1350 AM Rome, ESPN Utica Rome, now on 96.5 FM. Thank you so much for coming to Utica. Well, I'm from Utica, and I've never heard anyone use the phrase Sportzilla Show. It's an Utica expression. Rain, man. Good to go. Hey, Coach, how are you? I'm good, Rain. I'm good. Thanks for doing this today. No problem. I have an English muffin if you got one. What's that? No, go ahead. I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh-huh. The Sportzilla Show starts now. Here's Rain, Scoop, and Matt. We got a free four-wheel alignment that we're going to give away. Not once, but twice, courtesy of a Riskany Garage. File that away in your mental Rolodex. Take note. Duly noted, everybody. That's a giveaway. That's something you're going to need when you're bouncing around on the winter roads in central New York. Sports Illust Show is underway. Of note, Utica College Basketball is playing Houghton tonight, the final home game of the season. That tips off in about 30 minutes. Scoop, we talked to Sean Coffey. Today's Tuesday, right? So in two days, Coffee yeah. for three on Thursday. We have Nick in studio with us also, who is, of course, a student at Utica College. What's the mood on campus with the final home game of the season, especially coming off of those two tough losses? Well, this is a big one. This is a big one because Houghton really plays spoiler um, in a lot of different facets. Um, Basically, tonight's game determines in a large sense whether we get the two or the three seed in in tournament. Either way, it would be the same game time, but... um, yeah, this is uh this is a big one. There's a lot of buzz around the team. Everyone's feeling good, especially because we're getting ready for a lot of different championships. All four of our teams in season are probably making playoffs. So who we, the, we got a lot. Who are the biggest rock stars on campus at Utah College? Is it football players, hockey players, basketball hockey players? players. So all all the way. Hockey players. Then football, then basketball? Probably be hockey and then football. Maybe a, like Ivan Ivan Iden was bigger than a few most of the football players. Uh, Tommy Morial's making his way up there. Jeez, uh, Hunter Remley's pretty popular, so I don't know. I'm not here to, to spit out popularity charts. but Who's uh, the yeah. most popular uh, coach on campus? <laughs> look, at, look at him. Here he goes. He is stirring he it up already. Oh, they got Sean Coffey was right about you, glue guy. So Probably f- Coach St. Hilaire, women's lacrosse. There okay. you go. Great answer. However... <laughs> However, glue guy, the most popular person overall on campus, Nick Ailes. It's far from it. I'm pretty lame. Shaka. Nah, <laughs> not having it. Scoop, a few other things happening today of note. This is going to pique your interest. Justin Bailey's been returned to the Comets. Zach McEwen was raved about by Jim Benning, basically saying, moving forward, he is an NHL player full-time. You may see him back in Utica pending what happens this year, but heading into training camp in the fall, Zach McEwen is an NHL player, period. It, so, so, it sounds like he wants him up there, but I do think there's a possibility he gets assigned or papered down here, as they say, for the balance of the season. I also think him staying up there is a possibility. I would like to have him back down here just so the fans could give him a nice roar, a nice uh, applause before we say goodbye, you know. It's two good teams. The whole organization's got a chance to make a dent in the playoffs as it stands right now, appending a lot of things going in their favor. Obviously, there's so much that's out of your control and a lot of hockey left to play because I don't think they saw the Brock Besser thing coming where... And they made that big move last night for Tyler Toffoli. So, you know, 
Uh, deadline coming up, the trade deadline. Maybe they're up to more, maybe not. Uh, Jim Benning has been quoted as saying uh, he doesn't foresee the Canucks trading any more picks. I will them out. They don't. They don't have much left. Yeah. <laughs> Based on the trade they made yesterday, the Rangers made a small move. I think that there's more on the way, but that's for another time. The deadline's on the 24th for the NHL. If you're a big hockey fan, and some if you people, are, some people think Benning's going to get more picks over the course of the next week, but some other prospects could could move. You know, depending on what is offered in return. There are quite a quite a few great young players in the Canucks lineup, seasoning down here. And some prospects that we haven't seen here yet or at the NHL level within the Vancouver organization. Jim Beheim is going to be on with us at 5.30. Louisville tomorrow. They're traveling as it stands right now. They may have landed by now. Lawrence Moten is in Marquette tonight having to do with the Big East. We'll ask him a little bit about that. Tell him what happened with uh, Lawrence Moten and his Big East scoring record getting broken. Well, it was broken last week. It had stood this career scoring record for the Big East for 25 years. Marcus Howard broke that record, and tonight they're going to have a little ceremony before the Marquette Creighton game, and they invited Lawrence to be there, almost like a you know a transferring of the uh, the honor sort of thing, and he's going to be there, and I, I think that's kind of nice. I like that. So uh, we'll, we'll ask Coach Beheim about that. That's coming up at five thirty. Sports Illustrated ESPN Radio Utica Rome now at ninety six point five FM. Here is Brett Boone. Are we ready for some Brett Boone? I'm sorry, that's his brother. I always do that. Aaron Boone. Boone. Aaron Boone (laughs) is the manager of the Yankees. What's wrong with me? Give me a smack upside the back of the head, would you? Nick is even wearing a Yankee sweatshirt. Ow. Sup, yo. Sup, yo. So, Brett Gardner with this kind of... Okay, it's not... I was going to say hilarious. It's not hilarious. It's actually Fatal Attraction, Glenn Close, scary stalker thing. You hear this all the time with celebrities. Uh, But basically, he has asked a Bronx judge to keep a crazed fan who calls him or calls herself his future wife wants her away from him and the family poor brett gardner it's a guardy party man i don't even know what to do with this i made some comments a little earlier that i had to back off of because it, it well it's bizarre but it's like the, these the people do this with celebrities they have these delusions like that they grew up together like i, I worked with ted nugent we had a guy that would call us up and say I, you know i wrote cat scratch fever and i wrote all these songs for him and you're like yeah yeah sure you did buddy you know and and people have these delusions about celebrities that they're in their lives and they're in love with them and it's really disturbing nick ailes called it um i think you said it was kind of funny yeah i mean stand by it i think it is i don't know it's just like it's funny, the, bizarre. The, you know. the more you read about it, it's just like the more out there she is. And like, if she has mental health problems, and like, I feel bad, and then like, I'm, that's obviously something that nothing, so nothing that someone should go through. But just the comments at face values, like, I think it's hilarious. I had to talk myself through our segment on Syracuse sports a little earlier. And I wound up with the adjective of terrifying to describe the situation. Well, if you happen to be his wife and family, which it's really what it is. If you're his wife, you're you're very much not happy with with this. I think yeah. like when the woman comes out and says he's making signals to her from the dugout, you know that uh, purports some sort of uh, sexual attraction or whatever. I mean, it's so out there, it's bizarre. 
I'm going to give you the details. The woman's name is Gina Devashayam. And last week, because she was previously kicked out of it was Baltimore, I believe she files a lawsuit with with, she files a lawsuit against Brett Gardner and the Yankees. And she says, I request the court to grant me access to the stadium in accordance with MLB fan policy and also in accordance with significant other of MLB player Brett Gardner. She then writes in the lawsuit that she is a Yankees fan and also, yes, his future wife. So before she was turned away from Yankee Stadium, she tried to sneak into the clubhouse. This is how this all started. At Oriole Park Camden Yards this past August to see him and she was kicked out of the stadium. So even though these two have never met, she has claimed in her lawsuit that the outfielder has hinted that he is interested in her. There is a video of Gardner in the dugout, according to her, that shows he motions with his hip on the stairs as though is he as though he is having sexual intercourse with her. I'll pause there once again to give you guys a chance to comment. We can go around the room. So They've never met each other. Correct. But she claims that she's a significant other. Correct. They're already married. According to her. They're going to be. They're going to be. This is a a delusional story that she's been telling herself in her mind. And it's some kind of mental illness. But I've seen this. Look, it happens to radio guys. Remember the old, old movie, Play Misty for me. Clint Eastwood and the... The crazy woman starts pursuing him and starts ascribing meaning to things that shouldn't be there. This is this is even a little more twisted than that to some degrees with the the details, you know. I've got more. She also claimed that Gardner makes a sad face during home games when she doesn't attend. After three years of romancing online, she started to go to games because, quote, I see that Brett desires this. She's got a Twitter account that's straight fire and um, actually the better word is delusional and it's been getting a lot of traction. A lot of people on Twitter have seen this over the last 24 hours. She tweeted back in October, I've never seen you angry at me, Gardy. I will claim you play the role of my husband. That is my first right. My second right is to allow me inside the stadium. She then went on to do an interview with with NewJersey.com and speaking to this reporter who then pointed out to her that Gardner's married to a woman named Jessica Clendenin. They're actually like high school sweethearts from South Carolina, have children together. And she told the reporter that that is not of importance to her. (laughs) No joke. That's not important. Details, details. We discussed this earlier. Yeah, the glue guy's just kind of hearing some of this for the first time. Nothing to see here. Nothing. So Gina Devashayam went on to say uh, that the league is painting her as a deranged, rambling woman on the loose. These are quotes, by the way, glue guy. And arguing that she is a threat to order and safety, she insists that Gardner wants her around despite him filing the order of protection and despite the Yankees seeking to ban her not just from Yankee Stadium but from other stadiums all the stadiums around the league so she can't follow him around. He's only doing this because he loves me. Of course. Here's the last the last <laughs> quote from her. She said, you know, when he plays, he signals. They have their own signals, first of oh, all. They have their own special language. Uh, for pitch type and all of that. And then there's another thing called romantically and sexually signaling toward me, meaning Gina. This is what Brett apparently does. That is how our relationship has progressed because he has started sexually signaling toward me. Man, his wife would punch this woman in the mouth, for starters. That's, she needs help. I mean, clearly, she just needs help. So as opposed to the Astros cheating scandal, there's at least, I mean, I suppose this is why Nick Kelsfine would rather music, and I'm trying not to giggle myself, even though it's terrifying. 
Yeah, it's a distraction from the cheating scandal and Aaron Judge trending number one on Twitter with his comments about that. Oh, boy. Well, yeah, he's uh, Aaron's gone off on the Astros and pretty much says that their World Series means nothing. And I think he's right. I think he's absolutely right. I th- we, we've said it a, a number of times. Others are saying it. MLB Network, ESPN, wherever you turn it on, any sports talk show that you're listening to, everybody feels the apology, the apology was inadequate and further punishment must be brought down upon the Houston Astros. Nick Ailes, what say you? I agree. I agree. I went off on them on my radio show last night. It's just, I don't know. I just don't understand how, I feel like the worst part is that Manfred, like essentially promised the most astronomical punishment in the history of the world. And nothing happened. And then, well, first of all, well, something happened, but anything that felt like millimeters short would be a failure. But he was also like miles away. So I don't know. That was just the biggest slap in the face to me. Like if he came out like, yeah, we're going to punch them. And then that happened. Like it's still bad, but like, I don't know. It's more acceptable than like, we are going to destroy the humanity of the Houston Astros. And then he just slap on the wrist. And then there's Nick Markakis a little bit earlier today. Longtime Baltimore Oreo. He's been with the Braves for a few years. 14, 15 years into the league, another player. And the, the more that this, the more that this percolates, the more you're seeing guys blowing off some steam and letting their feelings out that they've been holding on to for a long off season. They're getting back into the swing of things and they're realizing the, the residuals of this. It affected so many guys in major league baseball. It screwed a lot of guys over. It's what Nick Markakis said. It angers you, um, especially from a guy who has played the game the right way his whole career um no shortcuts um i know how hard this game is i know how hard uh, preparing for this game is and to uh um to see something like that it's 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 damaging to baseball um you know it, it's anger uh i feel like every single guy over there needs a beating <laughs> he is angry isn't he I saw a video today where Jose Altuve was at spring training and there were kids asking him to autograph the baseball. They're like, Altuve, Altuve, Altuve. And then he runs off and some guy yells at him, cheater. And everybody gasps. I mean, it was literally like that. I like, how could you? Yeah. Like, we're all trying to get autographs. He's never going to come back and get it off. Give us an autograph now. You know, Uh, he's going to get hit a lot. Telling you right now. No, I don't think so. He's uh, he's short. And he can scamper away pretty quickly. <laughs> he's gonna get hit right in the booty, right in the ribs. Uh, I don't know. The whole tattoo thing is farcical. You know, it's like, all right, let's come up with another lie to cover the earlier lie. I mean, this is like stuff that generally, if you have a teenager, you you can smell out and go, "You're you're lying to me, and you're not lying to me very well." Yet they're trying. To pass this off. It's not that he's short. It's that he's the half of a player. And I'll explain. Vegas has official odds. The over-under is 83 and a half times a player on the Astros will get hit this year. What do you think? Over-under. Give me the over. 83 and a half. So it's uh, the half is Jose Altuve, I suppose. I I don't know. Or maybe he gets hit 10 times and you round it up somehow or seven times. It's got to be an odd number if that would be the case, right? For the 83 and a half. Now that is a fun thing to wager on. That's right there. Very fun. We do have, we'll stop right there. 
the free four-wheel alignment from a Riskini garage. This one's real simple. Just be caller number 5, 315-768-1310. That's 315-768-1310. A free four-wheel alignment from a Riskini garage is yours. Courtesy of the Sportzilla Show, ESPN Radio Utica, Rome, now at 96.5 FM. The Sportzilla Show is now streaming on the ESPN app. Here's Rain, Scoop, and Matt. Got a little conversation with Jim Beheim, coach of the SU Orange Hoopsters, coming up. Going to talk a little football, though, because there is some interesting things developing for the Shield and the league. I'm going to go in reverse order. So you can you can watch the Syracuse version of the Sports Illustrated Show, twitch.tv slash Talk. You can also watch... You can watch some SU legends reacting to upcoming games, including tomorrow, if you'd like to go there. Uh, they've got what, Roosevelt Bowie, Eric Devendorf, and Lawrence uh, Moten. Uh, Seth Goldberg from our brother station out in Cuse is in there. Uh, Lawrence Moten will be part of the conversation with Jim Beheim when we talk to him at 530. So you can listen up for all that. But yeah, I mean, you, you got to get up on that Twitch channel. There's a lot of stuff out there. And we had, uh, well, you can go watch it, but the... the the reason I bring it up, Scoop, is because I need to go in reverse order because I want to save your take on Miles Garrett because it, it was like the floor is yours. So I want to cover the other stuff first to give you more time to get there. All I, right, okay. I think I want to go in reverse order of the way that we did it earlier. All right, that's fine. Okay, we can get this stuff out of the way because Scoop has a great take on this. I don't this. know. I don't know how great it is. I just, I just try to be uh, reasonable. No, you gave a an impassioned explanation of it from every side. And also being a Cleveland Browns fan, I think you were more invested of it. So it was authentic. And, and that's what we're going to get back to. So I want to give you more time to do that because I, I gave you, I cut you off in, and only had a few minutes at the end of that segment. So let's do it in reverse order. That's fine with me. I'm sorry that it took me a second to find my words to explain that, but I think now you get my point. So we're going to start with Tua. Uh, pronounce it for us. Tagovailoa. Tua. Tagovailoa. Very good. That's Nick Gales. How can you tell me very good if you didn't know how it was pronounced? Because I had you practice during the break. Don't, he, don't he give was, this away. He was dazzled by huh. how you just let it flow. Yeah, but then he was like pronouncing it like 16 different ways before <laughs> he officially told us that that was the actual one. Tagovailoa. Is he going to go one or Mantiteo. is it? Tua <laughs> is it, Mantiteo. Say, pronounce Joe Burrow for us. Joe Burrow? Okay, you did it. Very good. <laughs> Joe Burrow. <laughs> Who goes to Cincinnati, though? Is it going to be Is it gonna be Joe Burrow, the Heisman Trophy winner, or is it going to be Tuo Tagovailoa? Manti Teo. Um, that guy. Are you asking me? Yes. Uh, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. What if it's not, though? Yeah, but it will be. But how do you know that? I don't know. I think he, ultimately he's an Ohio guy, and I think they can, you know, whatever seems to be uncomfortable between both sides... And people seem to freak out because he's just not saying, I'm a Bengal. Well, I mean, look, the draft hasn't happened yet. I mean, there could be deals. You know, maybe they don't like each other. What about the toad, though? Emmanuel Acho on ESPN earlier today said this. Burrow's last name is Burrow. It's not Manning. Mm -hmm. Manning had leverage inherently because that last name grants you leverage, both with Peyton and obviously with Archie. What Burrow isn't saying is actually what speaks all the volumes. You're the number one pick. Guaranteed the number one pick should be, barring anything crazy. You say, I'm eager to be a Cincinnati Bengal. I can't wait to get there. They're about to throw you a boatload of money and guarantee it. But Burrow's sitting here saying things like, I have leverage. He seems very noncommittal, not good at all. What do you respond to that? 
Well, of course he has leverage. What, he's just supposed to give his leverage away? Oh, I'm going to be a Cincinnati Bengal. You know what? There's a lot of teams in the NFL that would drive up a boatload or a truckload of money. And the Bengals could sell that away. They could trade that away for something else. And do you think the league wants to not have teams say what they're going to pick? Because they want the draft to mean something? Because they want to not spoil what the first overall pick's going to be? Well, let me ask you this question. Do you think that the Lions, I'm going to answer your question with a question. Do you think that the Lions, because they play into this, have to make a decision on Stafford? Um, I don't know why you want to get rid of Stafford. I'm going to let Dan Graziano back that up. If Detroit's going to do this, we're going to know soon. Because they're going to have to do it before the league year starts. Otherwise, the dead money cap hit starts to go up into into crazy high territory. Even now, if they trade him, they're eating $21 million on the cap. It would be a total reset for Detroit immediately, which would go against everything that we heard out of there late last year about bringing back the but, coach and the GM and making another run. So it would, it would represent a change of plans on a significant level for the Detroit Lions to do this. Discussing some NFL here on the Sports Illustrated Show, ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome, not 96.5 FM. I'll back that up, glue guy, with Mike Tannenbaum. You respond on the other side. Long-term, turning the car, it's to a, obviously, incredibly well-talented. However, what you're selling the Ford family, if you're Bob Quinn, their general manager, Matt Patricia, the head coach, is, hey, we were 3-4-1 with a healthy Matt Stafford. We lost two games by five points to Kansas City and Green Bay. And with a healthy Matt Stafford, we're tracking really well. So it's an incredible juxtaposition, short-term, to survive. They're better off taking Jeff Okuda, the talented quarterback out of Ohio State. But long-term, if you're operating this franchise like you're the owner, you take Tua because the upside's so compelling. And that's what's going on in Detroit right now. Have they given him a weapon since Calvin Johnson? That's the point that Scoop made a little bit earlier. They haven't given him anything to work with. Go ahead. I, they haven't. They Look, they, it's been down for them. They don't have weapons that they had a couple of years ago. They don't have the defense they had a couple of years ago. Remember when they were they were a defensive powerhouse for a while there, too. You know, with Indomitian Sue there. and uh, You know, they're getting, getting rid of uh, Darius Slay this offseason, which is a mistake in my mind. And I think Joe Burrow or Tua can negotiate with these teams. They don't have to say, I'm going there. This, this is not anything unusual. Guys uh, get traded, and then they get traded. They get drafted, and then they get traded. You know, I mean, it's, it's certainly a possibility. The idea that Joe Burrow has to say, oh, I love you, Cincinnati. I should bow before you and your truckload of money. Well, maybe he wants a truckload of money from somewhere else. Well, that's the thing. Well, this is a situation that we're ultimately going to get answers to much sooner rather than later. But it brings us to the Miles Garrett situation Anywhere you consume sports, it's been a topic of conversation. I'm going to set Scoop up uh, so we don't bury the lead and we can get his synopsis of this situation being a Cleveland Browns fan. And of course, they hate the Steelers. And then Mason Rudolph might have said something. But this is what Ryan Hallen said. Scoop will respond on the other side. Mike Tomlin doesn't seem the type to go out and defend a guy who isn't, who, who should be frame for whatever if the shoe fit I think Tomlin would let him wear it but he goes on first take uh, arguably the biggest show in sports right now and says that he did not say what he said and they're defending him and they're backing him so there's something lost here in translation Sean and I, I really strongly feel that Miles Garrett felt just for what he did it was uncharacteristic I understand these guys 
get paid for a living to go knock out quarterbacks that kind of their deal. But it was that that was much more, man. It was, that was more than just the game. And I've seen situations like that before. Mike Tomlin is defending his team. He's defending his player. Mason Rudolph probably told him I didn't say it. He's defending him. But Mike Tomlin wasn't there. I mean, he was on the sideline. He wasn't right there. This whole uh, conversation about why didn't any of the mics pick up the supposed racial comment? Well, because there's lots of things that are said on the field by people that are not heard, that are not recorded. This whole idea that somehow our technology can reveal every conversation and everything that's said on that field is kind of silly to me. I, I just don't buy it. Now, People say, well, why is Miles talking about this anymore? Well, that's because me and Akimes asked him, and he tried to give an honest answer to the question, and this is what he thinks happened. This is not good for him. This is not easy for him. Now, he's going to be scrutinized because of this statement. People are going to doubt him for this statement. His character is going to be called into question because of this statement in this event. Look, it's not going to be easy for him. It's not going to be easy for Mason Rudolph either, for that that matter. These teams hate each other. Things are said in the heat of the moment. I think probably 40 years ago, things like this were said a lot on the field. I don't know about so much so anymore, but maybe maybe it does happen and nobody says anything. I, th- I think we have uh, instances of it happening in hockey where people are hearing it, but you got more people on the field. You got a bigger field in football. I don't know that we know when these things are said. There's a lot of trash talking. There's a lot of things that Tom Brady is, says to guys, and guys say to Tom Brady, "Not wrong." That that I don't think we know the exact transcripted conversation word for word. I just think he wears Uggs and he shouldn't. That's a whole other story. Nick Ailes, you can do one of two things right now. Mm-hmm. You can validate what Scoop is saying, or you could fan the flames a little bit. And occasionally the glue guy does that when he'll just say Roger Goodell randomly. But what do you think about this situation? Scoop is, is kind of cleaning up for us. Yeah, I know. It's touchy. I don't, if I'm being completely honest, I don't really have an opinion on it. I've stayed neutral the entire time. I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily believe that Mason Rudolph would have said that but I don't have any evidence that says he See, hasn't. I, that is the smart way to look at this. Yep. It's it's heresy today to withhold an opinion or withhold judgment until you gather further information. There's I, no smoking gun of video or as you had said earlier, there's microphones everywhere on an NFL field but they and don't cameras record, everywhere. But they don't record everything. Right. I mean, and I don't know. I wasn't there. There are other guys who are teammates of Miles Garrett's and teammates of Mason Rudolph, who have no idea what was said in that little scrum that started to blow up down there. They weren't there. If you're 40 yards away, you've got no idea. And these teams circle the wagons around one another. They're family. They protect one another. And I guarantee you, it's entirely possible that somebody might have admitted to saying something or some such, and that that another teammate is not going to say anything. It's like, all right. It, it's it stays right here in the room. We don't say anything. The the only thing, the only person who knows what Mason Rudolph said is Mason Rudolph, and it's, perhaps it's, Miles Garrett, or maybe uh, no, maybe he said something and it was misinterpreted. That's, that's possible. That's what I'm too. saying. Maybe it's possible that Miles Garrett 
Maybe Mason Rudolph said something that sounded similar. Maybe someone else yelled something at the same time that what Mason Rudolph said and the words collided and it sounded like what Miles Garrett thought we said. Thought he said. It's impossible to know. You're absolutely right. All right, let's let's stop right there. Coming back, ACC has uh, made some changes potentially and hopefully that will go through as far as the transfer rule. ACC Commission John Swafford uh, with his words next. Jordan Nuara, a key to battling Louisville. We'll ask Jim Bayheim about it also. Sports Show ESPN Radio Utica Rome, now at 96.5 FM. And if you're the fifth caller at 315-768-1310, you'll get a free four-wheel alignment from a Riskini Garage. 315-768-1310. It's the Sports Show on 1310 AM Utica, 1350 AM Rome, and 96.5 FM ESPN Radio Utica Rome. Here's Rain, Scoop, and Matt. So I was just doing a little bit of a checking scoop. And Jordan Nuara, who is really, in my opinion, the key to the game for Syracuse and Louisville tomorrow. We'll break this down a little bit further in a second as we get Jim Beheim on in just a couple minutes. But interesting, the other day Sam Williamson started in place of him because he has had some games where it's a disappearing act. I mean, you're talking about the overall leading scorer in the ACC who might have dipped down to number second by a couple of percentage points. But, I mean, he struggled against Syracuse a little bit earlier, and he's had some other games where, I mean, guys will have a bad game, but he goes from being basically their Elijah Hughes to suddenly being bad, like really bad. Like, did you even show up? And I wonder why that happens. But that's the key. If good Jordan Nuara shows up and the Cuse can somehow limit him and keep him in check... And then certain aspects of Syracuse's game that we all know, and I'm sure you're going to touch on, Scoop, if they improve and are what we would expect them to be, then Syracuse can beat this team. I mean, they almost beat Florida State. Even though it's on the road, it's possible. Well, the Orange have to get all facets of their game working as good as they can get them working. They've got to make more threes. You know, who would have thought Elijah Hughes was going to be available and would wind up with 25 points? I didn't even know if he was going to play, but that's a bonus. So you want him to continue to be able to contribute like that. You don't want to get the dumb fouls. Going to need Marek in there. Uh, You know, they got to make some of the smarter, better moves with that 2-3 zone defense and covering guys. Uh, There's a lot of talk about how the Orange are – letting other teams score too many points at the end of the first half and at the end of the game. And there's a lot of statistics that bear that out. So if they can kind of reverse those trends, like they actually, the orange scored more than wake forest at the end of that game. They kind of reverse the trend there, you know? So they have to, they're a team that has to get everything working right as good as they can get it to win. You know, everything's got to go the way it should go. We're going to share with you Scoop and myself and our interview with Jim Beheim. On the back side of this, I'll get you caught up as promised on the ACC transfer rule uh, before we get to our next break. Here's our conversation with Jim Beheim from earlier today. Jim, first question today. Did you watch the All-Star game? Did you like the new format? Well, that ending is good for the – it made him play. You know, it really made him play in the last quarter. I think that was good. That Elam ending is good for that kind of event. It really is. It, and, uh, and I don't know if it's good on a regular basis or a regular season because you fight to get your lead and everything, but I think it's good for that event. It made it really 
competitive. They wanted to win, and they played hard at the end. So, yeah, I thought that was a great format. Coach, talk a little bit about Lawrence Moten, who had the Big East career scoring record for 25 years until Marquette senior Marcus Howard passed him last week. They're going to have Lawrence at the festivities tonight before the Marquette Creighton game, and he's been invited. More people know Lawrence Moten's name now than they did the whole 25 years he held the record. No, you could ask anybody during that 25 years who held the record. Nobody would have known unless they were Syracuse people. Now more people know it was on the highlights on ESPN, Lawrence's highlights. So he's gotten great recognition out of something that is a great accomplishment uh, to be the leading scorer in the Big East uh, for 25 years is really incredible. And I didn't think it would be broken. I didn't think anybody was going to stay four years was that level player. But when Marcus Howard came back, that gave somebody an opportunity to do it. But uh, it's a great record. Lawrence uh, held it for a long time. It, it tells you how good a player he was. Jim Beheim here with Rain and Scoop. Now we're heading out to Louisville. This is packing day and travel day for you guys, right? So I'm curious – Getting away from uh, Carmelo K. Anthony Center and getting away from the Dome and you're getting ready. What are some Jim Beheim essentials when you travel? Because I figure at this point, Jim, you've got it down to a science. Well, yeah, 50 years of traveling for games. Yeah, you know what you need. You take what you, you know, everything's ready to go. Take a good book, take something to read, get on the plane, have a good dinner. Think about Louisville, get ready to go. Season's near the end. we got to finish strong. We're playing good basketball. We're in a lot of games. Uh, we have not finished well, I think, mainly because we're young and we make some mistakes down the stretch, commit some fouls we shouldn't. It's certainly not because we're tired. Uh, most teams in the top uh, group in the country will play six or seven guys. So that's just a weak floating story that's been around forever and it just isn't true but we haven't made good decisions at the end of the games and we missed some shots at the end of the games that we can make so that's a combination of things uh, we've won you know at the bottom at the end of the day we've had four very close games we've lost in the league we've had very four close games that we've won in the league so I mean, that's par for the course Virginia on the road Virginia Tech Notre Dame on the road very very close games uh, we snuck him out. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, at home, Wake Forest was uh, should have gone the other way, probably, and we snuck that out. And Pittsburgh was very close. We pulled away a little bit at the end, but it was a very, very close game. And so we've had four or five wins in close games, and we've had four uh, crushing losses in uh, in, in road games, uh, uh particularly Clemson and Florida State games, we could have won on the road and they would have been big wins. Uh, but, you know, that's what happens. If you play a lot of close games, you're going to be around 500 in, in them in, in, for the most part. And, uh, you know, if they're that close, they can go either way. North Carolina's lost six straight games that they've had the lead in the end and lost. So that's very unusual. We'll just keep trying to get better. We are getting better, particularly offensively. Uh, learning to stay out of foul trouble. Those are all things that can help us going down the stretch. We're looking forward to having a great stretch run. So there's our conversation with Jim Beheim a little bit earlier, getting you ready for tomorrow's game against Louisville. Uh, John Swafford is the ACC commissioner, and there is a new transfer rule that he's trying to get all of the conferences to adopt that should have been done a long time ago. Basically, if you want to transfer and you do, you got to sit out a year before you can play, which is just absolute nonsense with the moving around that they let coaches do. But I thought I would give you some of John's words about this new transfer rule. It's a no-brainer. I think it makes it consistent. 
I think it gives uh, all of our student athletes uh, coming in a sense of what they can do going forward in terms of freedom of movement if they make that choice to do so. Uh, again, and this has evolved in, in the whole transfer portal and a lot of times the NCAA has to make decisions that it cannot publicly come out and share all of the information in regard to an individual student athlete situation and why that decision was made. Uh, so there may be some inconsistencies, there may appear to be inconsistencies when maybe they're not. But this would would eliminate all of that. Scoop's going to bring us back and we're going to tell you how the coronavirus, what's it actually called? COVID-19. How that is affecting the NHL and potentially them running out of sticks, believe it or not. Next on the SportsZilla Show, ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome now at 96.5 FM. We're going to Utica? Uh-huh. I'm not going to Utica. Oh, yes, you are. Utica. 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 In your face. Yow. It's the SportsZilla Show on ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome. Here's Rain, Scoop, and Matt. Of course, we got Comets Insider coming up with John Stevens, a new Comet. That is just minutes away. And if you missed yesterday's conversation with former Comet, the newly retired Jamie Cyphers, we've got that podcasted. We've got the weekly Coach Trent Call Show podcasted. If you want to get your hockey fix, all the typical places you listen to podcasts. And you'll see the podcast as well at ESPNUR on Twitter, the social media pages. It's weird, though, how the coronavirus, I had heard... You know, how it had slowed work at these Apple plants, and it means that, you know, the iPhone production is slowing down. I'd heard things like that, but... What about Corona production? Is that down to? The beer? Yeah. I don't know about that. I have not had any trouble getting Coronas, so, so far we're good. That said, hockey players are having difficulty getting sticks, apparently, because they're being warned by their equipment managers to not... Give them away to fans to try not to smash them out of frustration because a lot of them are made in China. Go figure. The average player goes through three to five of them per game. They break a little bit easier than traditionally than Wood did. Go figure. But the performance aspect of these composite sticks, I mean, it's it's apples to oranges really in comparison. It was about 10 days ago, or maybe eight days ago, this initial report came out about this. Bauer, which is one of the bigger manufacturers, told the Boston Globe that retail stores have enough sticks to make it through the rest of the season. They provide about 39% of the NHL sticks, but custom orders had been stopped because um, they're worried that they're not going to have enough of this material or, I guess, the labor to produce them. That's it, yeah. It's really remarkable. They are supposed to be... Be uh, starting production on generic sticks, but the custom orders for these NHL players, which obviously filters down even to the AHL and even college, D1 college. I mean, it's crazy. Pierre Maguire initially had mentioned this. It was uh, in a Sabres Red Wings game and said, yeah, don't get mad in practice and smash your stick if you mess up a pass or a shot or anything like that, is you might run out of twigs. That's kind of crazy. It's this basically affects 75% of the sticks that NHL players currently use. The composites, I want to give everybody the background that doesn't know for your casual fans. So they're made by weaving and gluing synthetic fibers into one piece that is then much stronger than the individual parts. And there you have it. That's the coronavirus affecting the NHL and hockey sticks. The least of anybody's concerns, I'm sure. 
when it pertains to uh, how many people have lost their lives now, Scoop. I know we have a global economy, okay, but we make <laughs> bats in Cooperstown. There's yep. the Cooperstown Bat Company, the Louisville Slugger, for crying out loud. Is there nobody in Canada that can make hockey sticks like at an affordable cost? Nobody in, a, in the United States of America or Mexico? No one in North America? This is, like, baffling to me that it's an impossibility. This it, should, that You would think this would be an opportunity for an entrepreneur. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. Listen, we got a minute or so in change. So before we bounce out of here for the night, Tiana Managakia. Uh, Kahaya. Pronounce it for me right. Kahaya, I think. I think you're right. Man, you're just having trouble with pronunciation. Oh, I'm terrible with pronunciations. I'm terrible. I read it too fast. Slow it down, man. All right. You're good at it, though. I, I tell you, though, I've seen interviews done with her, and I've seen... Uh, There's like 10 different... Yes, Broadcast journalists say her name 10 different ways. Listen, you're the only one in the room that can pronounce the Greek freak's name every time. I don't even attempt it. I'm Kumpo. I, I can't do Tua's name. I haven't, I haven't figured that one out yet. Tago Vailoa. Tago Vailoa. Tago Montaiteo. Uh, so we're going to have <laughs> we're going to have Tiana on uh, if you're if you're familiar with her her story, her battle a, against cancer. Here's a Syracuse uh, girls basketball player, an inspiration to this very second for the team right now. So we're going to talk to her tomorrow. Twenty-seven eleven was the last update we had for Utica College basketball against Houghton. Uh, will you? You have any further uh, update? I'm currently sitting with no update. Well, we'll be Just recapping it tomorrow. We're going to get out of here for the night. See you tomorrow at 5. Sports Illa Show says goodnight. ESPN Radio Utica, Rome now 96.5 FM.